Sharon Fuehler with ABC to CEO, and we're glad to have you join us today for our new Possibility Podcast. Through this, we hope to offer guidance to young girls and young women about the possibility of maybe being a CEO someday. And joining us is Kapani Howard, an entrepreneurial woman who is marking her entry into the CEO by creating her own company. So you are creating the possibility yourself. So welcome. Thank you. And we'd like to hear a little bit about the company, Kaleidoscope Management Group. Uh, You refer to it as KMG. Yes. So tell us a little bit about the company you've created first. So, well, first, thanks for having me. I was so honored, having had worked with you in previous roles, to be on your short list of folks to interview. So thanks thanks for coming to the office. And I love talking about Kaleidoscope. It's a passion project of mine that has um, now for almost four years been at the forefront of where I spend my time. I call it my third baby. I have two children and Kaleidoscope is the third. And I just really came up with the concept because I had enough time under my belt and I felt like enough real world experience to say I'm knowledgeable enough to be able to offer value to clients that they wouldn't otherwise be able to get if my firm weren't in existence. So the way I describe Kaleidoscope is it's the firm I wished had existed when I was on the client side. Oh, interesting. A great way to think about it. So you kind of know what the clients need. So this is filling that need that you found when you were in the on the other side of the table. Exactly, when I was the buyer. And I think what really stood out to me in I figured we could try and fill this niche a little better is being an extension of our client's marketing team. So as opposed to a vendor relationship, mm-hmm. if you will, or the stereotype of a consultant that I didn't aspire to is one where you just hope you don't have to call them. You know, they're a last resort. I wanted to have a firm where you couldn't wait to call them because they were a trusted advisor, a strategic partner, extension of your team. And that's really what we have set out to create. And thus far, um, again, after almost four years of doing this, we feel like we have hit on something really special. Well, that's wonderful. And it's interesting you call it your third baby because I know you have two small ones. So this is a real juggling act for you trying to do all of this, creating a new company and having uh, two little ones. So congratulations on doing it all. Thank you, thank you. So why don't we start a little bit with, so why did you decide to do this as opposed to go to another corporate job? Because I know you've been in corporate America, but um, you obviously took a risk here, went out on a limb, and created your own firm, which I think is wonderful. So how did you come to that realization that this might be more fun for you? It's almost like I didn't know why I struck out until now looking back. I feel like I can start to connect the dots a little bit. And it's going to sound strange, but I almost feel like it predates me. It's almost in my DNA. I started doing some research on my name, and one of my ancestors way back when was Joseph Cavani, and I found out that he was actually a fur trader and started a dairy farm not too far from actually where my office is here in Cortex. And so it got me thinking about, is this something that you're born with, or do you actually develop the desire to take risks, go out on your own, and blaze new trails? And I think it's a little bit of a hybrid. It's a combination of both. I think it's just innately in me, but I didn't have the risk profile or the appetite to start out at, you know, say in my teens and go out and do my own thing. I needed to go out and I felt like learn enough, just enough Mm -hmm. to be maybe dangerous or maybe uh, brave enough to actually make that leap. And so working in corporate America, I felt like I was able to cut my teeth and again, learn what the clients would want from an agency and maybe what they're not getting and go out and try and fill that void. 
if we have teenage girls and young women entering college today listening to this, would you have advice for them at that point, at this point in their life that they're now not into their career yet, but uh, working on their education? Is there something you've learned that you want to pass on to young women about starting their own company or... Absolutely. So I'm actually asked quite often by folks who are in college, whether they're pursuing an internship with us or even just through introductions and relationships I have, people will say, go talk to Cabany, hear how she got to where she got to. And so I relish the opportunity to talk to young women and hear about their journey. And one of the things I say often is don't be too linear. I felt a lot of pressure to go into something that may have been quote-unquote more marketable, and I was actually surprisingly an art history and French major. And I remember graduating, and they were actually really bumpy roads because I was I had a lot of doors closed in my face because I wanted to get into business, and people kind of scratched their head about, mm-hmm. well, if you studied those disciplines, how will you ever do business? Right, and, how do you apply it? And actually, one of your reports ended up taking, um, taking a chance on me, and I will always remember Andy Slent said, the soft skills are actually the hardest thing to teach. And he could tell after meeting with me several times that I understood people and I was able to bring a business acumen to the job without having necessarily had the formal training. But I would say to anyone considering what to major in, try to begin with the end in mind and then allow yourself a little bit of flexibility. If you're super passionate about something like political science or even psychology, there are ways to then take that and parlay it into the business world if that's where you ultimately want to end up. Yeah, interesting. So you feel like, I'm sure by now, you feel like you have a business degree having run your own business, even though you didn't get it in school. I do. And actually, I I think, I don't know if this is a female thing or just uh, in general, where I got to a point in my career where I thought, okay, now I've got this really rich uh, art history and French undergraduate degree from University of Pennsylvania. There's that one missing link, the accounting prowess or that hard business uh, and finance acumen. So I did actually go to WashU and started my executive MBA. And back again to you have to just take the opportunities as they come. I did get accounting under my belt and passed. I even got it a minus. So I was proud of that. And then Peabody should be that's not easy. (laughs) That job opportunity came up and I thought, wow, it required me to travel so much that I couldn't actually continue my EMBA. So part of my longer-term plan is I actually would love to go and complete that, but not so much because I need to potentially take the remainder of the classes, but more because it was just so enjoyable. So Yeah, learning opportunities are always good, especially when you've got the professors that can bring such a wealth of, and other students at programs like that. That's exactly right. Yeah, so. it's a wonderful way. And I think when you have a little bit of experience behind you, taking kind of that uh, advanced education is so much more meaningful. It really is. So when I go back, well, not if, but when I go back, I look forward to applying some of the challenges or um, opportunities at KMG and putting those into real-world use and and studying those real-world case studies. Right, right. So what do you think as far as traits that uh, you you have now or you look at other CEOs who you view as successful? What are some of the traits that you think are important um, if you're going to either do what you do by starting your own firm or working in a corporation and trying to work your way up to the top, what are a couple of traits that really strike you as, wow, you need to to really do this? 
That's a great question. So I, I gave it a little thought, and one of the words that kept coming to mind, and it seemed almost counterintuitive because CEO, the ascent to a CEO seems to be somewhat individualistic, but one word that kept coming up for me was collaborative, especially in my business, in the services business. I have relied so heavily on being able to reach out, connect with other business leaders and invite them to consider using our firm for marketing. And so for me, the fact that throughout my career I had been so collaborative, it made going out on my own so much more, A, enjoyable, and I think B, um, successful because I was able to leverage and uh, really rely on some of those relationships that I had built over time. So collaborative for sure. Yeah, and that is one of those soft skills without a doubt. It's hard to teach how to become collaborative. You can see examples but living it and reading it are two different things. Well, I feel fortunate that it was a, a gift I have, and I constantly work on it because we get so focused in our day-to-day that it's hard to come up for air and remember that relationship building is actually really critical to success. And then the other word I kept coming up with, also because I like alliteration, was courageous. There are times where it's the most fun and the most no-brainer to have my own company, and then there are other times where it's a little bit more nerve-wracking, and then you have payroll and you have certain things that you didn't have to worry about when you were a individual contributor and an individual performer at a large corporation. Your biggest stress was whether or not you were going to get your bonus, not where your next paycheck would come from. So yeah. courageous for sure. I think if you're going to be at that CEO level, you have a lot of people relying on you and looking to you for charting the path and uh, creating a, a successful entity. Being a CEO is not easy. I mean, you've got a lot of responsibility. It's almost a lifestyle uh, decision that you make um, because just because the workday is over doesn't mean it's over for you as the CEO. It goes on and on. That's exactly right. My husband said, oh, goody, you're leaving corporate America and you're going to work for yourself. I can't wait for you to have a much more scaled down schedule. And I think <laughs> he is ruining the day he said that because it's probably increased at least 30 or 40 percent from what I was doing in terms of a full-time employee job when you were uh, um, working in corporate. So you have a young daughter. Um, You actually have a son, too. Um, Of course, our site is more about women advancing, but it applies to, to women and to men. But with your daughter, are you thinking already, what are the things that I can teach her at a young age that will be helpful for a leadership role someday? Absolutely. So I think a lot about her and predominantly in the in the realm of I hope I'm doing right by her. I hope that having a company and showing her how you can be a mom and also work is a good example and that this will serve her well. And part of it is just living living by example, showing her that I wake up every morning excited to go to work and I talk to her about my firm. Sometimes she'll say, you know, how are things going with Peabody or how's that healthcare client in Clayton doing and it's like at five I love that she's inquiring she's curious Um, she even had show and tell and we forgot to bring something and she gave I gave her my business card (laughs) (laughs) so we find ways to work it in and I think even more so than her wanting to have her own company if, if that's something that's in the future for her then I celebrate that but she's expressed interest in being a teacher or she even said politician which kind of made me scratch my head but more power to her. Right, right. But yeah. I think showing her what's possible and then letting her really chart that course for herself is is my philosophy. And I celebrate the idea that she will at least have a role model of how you can how you can make a choice. Exactly. Well speaking of role models though, 
What about, you've, you've worked with many women over your career. Um, what do you see as some of the pitfalls that some maybe women might have or take paths they take that maybe are detrimental to them advancing to more senior leadership positions and ultimately to a CEO? Is there something you see that you would advise particularly young women be aware of this? It's a timely question for me now because I've been reflecting on it a lot lately. And someone said something not too long ago that really stuck with me. And it's sort of like a Woody Allen comment that says half of success is just showing up. I think sometimes women, our plates become so full. And at the point where they get to be boiling over the top, we bow out. And so there have been definitely what I would consider defining moments or clarifying moments where I've had that decision of, is it much too much? Is this just all too hard? And if one thing has to give, maybe it's the job. And I think I I see that more than anything with women is that they just say something had to break. And Mm -hmm. You can't have two 24-hour-a-day jobs. No. And when you start thinking about the cost of childcare, I hear women doing the math all the time where they think, well, wait a second, I'm not going to actually lose money in order to have this job. And so part of our, I think, reason for dropping out is that once you start to do the math, if your childcare exceeds the amount you're bringing home, you think, well, why don't I just do the most important job in the world and just be a parent to my children? And mm-hmm. so that choice no longer becomes a choice anymore. It becomes a very black and white a mathematical equation and they just say it doesn't make any sense and mm-hmm. so you have to make enough to make that child care make sense and then also feel like am I getting out at a time where I can at least have that quality time after work with my children but if the demands of your job are such that even after dinner you're on the computer and, and there's something that has to give usually it's the job that goes and right. I see that time and time again some of the other people we've talked to have also said having a partner Um, who's the father, um, be able to participate also makes life a little bit easier for, um, for a woman who's on a very intense career path. It certainly helps. I'm in a unique situation because my husband is also extremely motivated and also very driven career-wise. But so you have has, two busy careers going on. We have two on. busy careers. However, he is a great juggler. He is excellent at being able to close up shop at five, head home, pick up kids, and then we'll usually end up firing up our computers again at, you know, eight o'clock or so. Right, right. So given what you know about the business world, where we are today, what do you think for young women, what do you think the future is really going to look like as far as, is it going to be much of the same? Do you see more women going into entrepreneurial roles? Do you see women um, climbing that corporate ladder and heading to that top position more do you think do you think there's opportunities out there that the world is changing in front of us right now I think most certainly the change will, if anything, accelerate in coming years. And as I was anticipating this conversation, it got me thinking about all the pro-women organizations, whether it's shared office space or it's accelerator programs specifically targeting women. One of the things that I hope to see, and again, I have no basis on thinking that this will become, become reality, but less formal, more informal females lifting each other up. Right now I feel like there will eventually become a consolidation of organizations that are trying to champion women and get us more VC funding, help us be at more board tables, you know, help us become more prevalent at the CEO level. But what I think still today is lacking is that 
peer-to-peer female helping a female in a real-world situation because they've been so maybe um, trained or um, acclimated to just run. Women have to just get the work done and and head home to their kids. They don't have that same level of maybe time or even um, uh, ability to say, hey, let me make sure I'm helping this peer or this woman that is maybe lower in the the ranks of my organization. Let me help her up. And I I hope that we can continue to see more of that type of collaboration. I think we are. I mean, there's a lot. I see so much more today than I started my career many decades ago, and it's truly changed, and I hope all of these efforts will make a difference, that we have more women becoming leaders of great organizations. So what have we not talked about that you would like to share with us? Is there uh, some, you have some great words of wisdom that uh, we didn't touch upon? I'm often asked about mentors and how do you just even go out and find one? Because that will be so important to any woman who's considering whether it's CEO or even, you know, at your level within your organization prior to, um, you know, this endeavor. I feel like C-suite period, being able to set your sights high requires someone investing in you and championing you. And so, Sometimes finding a mentor is as easy as just kind of keeping your eyes and ears open. And when you meet someone, don't be afraid to ask. And then also books. Books are my friend. You can see I have this lending library, and that's gotten me through so many tough times at work where I maybe didn't feel like I was being championed or lifted up by my boss. Mm. That doesn't need to limit us. We can actually continue to grow and excel and be creative and you know, expand our career, even in the absence of a boss that's saying, come on over here, let me show you the way. We can be the leaders of our own career and the champions of our own career through experts that have published their work, and we can be voracious consumers of that information. So I would say, you know, don't be afraid to be the champion of your own career, and there are really creative ways to do that outside of even finding a mentor or a boss. That's a good point, because in in the end, we're responsible for ourselves. We are responsible. And I like to think that even our podcast today is another source of being able to help women uh, think about their careers absolutely and what they do. when I heard the women you were going to be speaking with I thought oh I can't wait to hear their pearls of wisdom so it's certainly a, another channel that you can go out and have at your fingertips really amazing advice without even getting that coffee with you know x or y ceo right well, Kavani, this has been wonderful. Uh, I would add one last thing, Sharon, because this has been so important to me, and I haven't always been good at it, but the better I get at it, I see the success from it. Don't be afraid to ask for it So, or say what you want. I think women sometimes tend to shy away from what they want because they may be perceived as being too greedy or, wow, you're really going for gold. So I remember when I was first starting the company and I was deciding what my uh, position would be, and I called myself the CEO. And even another female said, really, maybe managing director? And I said, no. I'm good with CEO. And to me, that really was a prime example of someone maybe trying, without even meaning to, limit me in my thinking. But I was so firmly convinced that the position that I had carved out for myself was the chief executive officer. So, Well, I'm, I'm glad you did that. And you are exactly right. Too many women too often don't give themselves enough credit for either what they've done because we, we tend to just, I don't know if it's by nature or you know, how we're raised or whatever it is, but that's a very good point. Yeah, we've got Beth here too today, so Beth? I was just enjoying this conversation so much, and you mentioned that you love to read, and 
Is there a book that you would recommend to young women? I always recommend, so I have several women who have wanted to go out on their own, and they text me, I'm going on a vacation, and I'm looking for that inspirational read, what is it? And Sharon will, I think, probably back me up on um, No Fear Allowed, written by one of our dearest friends, actually is one of the books that I always recommend to new hires of mine, and even women who are trying to go out and start on their own, because it has aspects of authenticity. The whole book isn't about, you know, break it, fake it till you make it, go for broke, it actually reveals the hard side of going out on your own. And I think much of success is actually being able to lift yourself up when you didn't get that deal or where you wonder how you're going to make that next uh, payroll. So for me, finding books like Laura Herring's No Fear Allowed is a great uh, read for that exact reason. And then um, I'm just kind of scanning my, uh, scanning my, my, Oh, Dare to Lead is my most recent favorite, Brene Brown. And she opens the book by talking about vulnerability. And I think this is a huge opportunity in this time for us as women, being vulnerable and not having this overwhelming or crushing feeling that we have to know it all. The act of actually saying, I don't know, or let me look into that, or I don't know, but I'm going to go figure it out. There is actual strength in the admission of not knowing or maybe not having it all figured out. And I think that's maybe been lost particularly on women. Um, and her writings are so applicable. And I know several on my team have picked it up out of our library and have really enjoyed it. Yeah, the other book that I recently uh, read that I found interesting is called Grit. If you read Grit by Angela Duckworth. It's, of course, by the title, you can see what it's about. It's persevering despite all of the obstacles, which is kind of what you're talking about. I will definitely pick that up. Yeah, it's a great read on um, how do you keep going when you feel like you've hit this wall and, you know, it's like, uh, I don't know where to go from here. So another one I would add to the list. Of course, it's great. We love Laura Herring, so it would be great to recommend her book as well as the others you mentioned, and then Grit. There's something I was wondering as I'm watching you talk to Sharon, and you know how much respect I have for Sharon, and I... And I'm watching you, and you're really amazing to watch as a young woman who's just so clearly stepped fully into your power in a really, in a way that is admirable. And I know a lot of young women would love to, and and to be able to know. So how'd you do that? You know, like if we were to think about your strengths, your, can you think about some of your early natural strengths that have enabled you to be successful? that you knew about or that you could reflect and say, well, this was sort of clear early. Well, firstly, thank you for saying that because it's hard to know how you um, how you come off. So when someone says that, it's really heartwarming because I'm glad that I give that impression. I think that when I reflect, and I've been doing that also a lot lately, it is ironic to think that some of the things that people actually said, oh, my goodness, she's so precocious or she's so... They were almost when I was younger and growing up, perceived as weaknesses or um, drawbacks to my personality. And so for me, that's been a real eye-opener to think that maybe some of the things that have allowed me to step into my own or be successful are actually the things that earlier on it was like, her laugh is so loud, or I thought of them (laughs) as like, oh, I should should shrink that a little bit, or I should keep that... um, 
less colorful and now it's so wonderful to have my own organization set the path show my colleagues you'll see I have a vision board and we just cover it with things that inspire us and there's just no limiting that thought process or that creativity and for me that's so rewarding because I felt like growing up I had to kind of keep some of that small um, for fear of either sticking out or not being on that straight and narrow that we're kind of made to feel like we should we should walk and so it's probably my um, tenacity my love of people to the point of if you're talking a lot in class you're probably getting in trouble but now I talk a lot and it actually gets me business so <laughs> these things sometimes right. end up coming to bear fruit but it just takes a little while yeah we talked about that with you too Sharon. yeah I, I had kind of some of the same experiences my mother was telling me quite often you know you really shouldn't be saying those things or you know you should apologize for being right. blunt <laughs> and right. uh you know it would it would kind of like make you feel like well but this is what I feel and what's on my mind and yet you kind of were getting reprimanded for that's so for doing what came naturally I had no idea that you had a similar experience yeah. well, in, in Sharon's case it's well at least part of it is really interesting in that it is that someone was complaining over and over and over and you were very little and you said oh yeah so somebody my mother talked about a woman actually a relative complaining all the time and uh, but my mother she was very quiet and shy and she would never say something you know to kind of say you know maybe you should look at this differently so I thought you know what the next time she complains I'm going to tell her she needs to stop complaining because you know things aren't that bad and I did, and my mother was horrified that I told this adult, which probably wasn't quite appropriate, but... That's a great story. Yeah, and then she made me apologize for, for uh, being so blunt. <laughs> I call it speaking truth to power, and we are not good at it as women as a general rule, but when you can and you can feel confident in that decision, it unlocks so much potential. Yeah. And I also think what you said and what Sharon's story tell is it. So there are adults who will be listening to this who are perhaps helping their young girls who might be 9 to 12 or maybe even high school who are in the position of perhaps I'm a parent, so maybe I once in a while have tried to extinguish something that's maybe the greatest gift or asset that the person has and you that's inadvertently are trying to put a cork in it sometimes. <laughs> so it's really fun to hear your stories. If I can imagine you in class getting a little, in a little trouble for yeah. being... Um, on the side conversation, in a side conversation. So social. Love yes. people. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that we see is that women really don't often know a lot of their competence is unconscious. They don't know what it is they're doing that's making an impact. Yeah. And that that's such important work for young women to be doing, is to understand who they are at their best. Self-awareness about your contributions and then not only valuing them, but recognizing that in public settings is something that I think we're all working towards and we can probably all do better at that we don't want to toot our own horns but I think there is a difference between tooting your own horn and knowing your own worth yeah good good way to end our conversation here so Kavni thank you thank you so this much been fun and I delightful and uh, hopefully everybody will enjoy listening to this Beth thanks for joining thank us you. thank you Beth thank you so much